What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Stand Up Jesus, the Stand Up Guys podcast, episode one sixty two. <laughs> I am your host, incomparable Zach Jones, joined as always by the Ninth Wonder, Chocolate Thunder, looking for a few good peepees for a few good DPs. The tag teaming, double creaming. You take the front, he'll take the back. You'll be dancing all night, sack to sack. The phenomenal A J Singh. Woo! <laughs> What's up, everybody? Hey, AJ, just a little. Would you rather, off the top, related to that? Would you rather have a threesome with a hot chick, but another guy? Like you don't have to touch the guy as long as you're careful, but you know it's that, that sort of three way. Or you can have mm-hmm. yourself and two other women, but the women are like you know Kathy Bates and Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Those, are the, Those are the women. I gotta, I gotta go with the hot chick. I'll just <laughs> keep my distance from the dude. You just gotta be the other half of the wobbly age. Be careful. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Well, uh, for uh, people who are just listening on the audio feeds uh, instead of watching on YouTube, we are trying uh, for the first time a remote uh, podcast. Uh, so if you do notice a little uh, any degradation in the video or audio quality, please let us know, and I'll try to do my best. Uh, now, AJ, I'm going to tell on myself to the audience because we actually did uh, attempt to record this yesterday, and uh, stupidly, I, I had the output settings on my microphone wrong, and so uh, you know my audio ended up just being complete trash, unusable. And so we had to ditch the episode, which is a shame because I'm 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 going to tell you there was some I thought some solid gold there. This reminds this is like uh, have you ever heard that uh, Tenacious D song tribute, where like the whole song's telling the, the whole song's <laughs> telling the story of how like uh, they were confronted by like the devil and they had uh, to sing him a song. And oh they, yeah, they sang him the greatest song ever, but uh, you know the actual song they're singing is just a tribute to that song because they couldn't remember it. Well, this podcast <laughs> is a tribute to the greatest podcast in the world. The one we lost, the one lost the time. Uh, you got this. <laughs> but, you know, AJ, the reason we kind of uh, switched to this format is because we have been doing a lot of uh, television reviews. Uh, and I think with this setup, it'll allow us to turn out these reviews in a much timelier fashion, uh, which will be good for us and the audience. Because um, who wants to wait, you yeah. know, too long? Uh, you know, of course, this episode notwithstanding, because uh, uh, speaking of which, we will be doing a, a, a review of Ahsoka episode seven today. Um, but um, I think later on this week, uh, we'll be able to do uh, turn out, you know, reviews for uh, ep- uh, the final episode, episode eight, uh, season finale, as well as the season premiere of Loki. So uh, exciting week uh, television wise. Yeah. Um, let's see with that out of the way. Um, and I just want to say like this review, yeah, it's taken a little longer, but guys, this is going to be an in-depth scene by scene, uh, review and analysis of Ahsoka season episode seven. So hopefully you will appreciate that. So AJ, should we get into it and review episode seven of Ahsoka? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's do it. So this episode is entitled Dreams and Madness. And right off the bat, AJ, is that a misleading title? Were there any references to dreams and or madness during this episode? (laughs) No, I don't think so. I feel like most of the other titles had 
some sort of relevance, but I, I, I just saw that title and I'm like, was there even any like a line of dialogue or anything that uh, would have related to that? And I'm not so sure. Yeah, I'm not so sure either. <laughs> uh, you know, my general thoughts on this episode going into it uh, before we break it down is um, I was happy to see that we did get um, more action. There's a pretty lengthy uh, action scene towards the end of the episode, uh, which I enjoyed. Right. And then, you know, we got more of both Thrawn and Ezra. Um, I'm still mixed on Thrawn, though. Uh, and we talked about this during the last episode, which is he has some dialogue during this episode that, you know, he's supposed to come off with this master strategy guy. But I feel like some mm -hmm. of his dialogue is like kind of obvious things that anybody on the bad guy side would have came up with. And then he, he also at one yeah. point. Um, does a weird order and he's like oh because basically we're going to play the long game and this will work out better and then a few minutes later basically uh, goes back on that and, and, and seemingly <laughs> again does what anybody would do so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it but I just <laughs> thought he came off as, as not like the you know smart smartest guy in the world that they want us to believe he is yeah I agree um, all right, let's get into this. Um, so we start off uh, with um, Hera being on trial uh, in front of all like the senators and military officials for uh, disobeying uh, her orders. Uh, Mon Mothma, who is, I guess, like the head judge or senator of this whole thing, tries to defend Hera by pointing out that, you know, the things she's discovered on CETOS do seem to be a cause for alarm. Um, the opposing senator, um, um, Senator Ziano, again, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his name, uh, but it's something like that. It starts with an X. Mm. Okay. I think that's right. Um, <laughs> or close. He said that her report reads like a fairy tale and that there's no proof of any imperial remnants. Uh, Carson, who is like her main uh, pilot who is backing her up, he chimes up. And he references uh, uh, the Mandalorian. Um, so um, I know you're starting to watch the Mandalorian now, AJ. And have you got uh, yeah. um, Grand Moff um, or Moff Gideon, I guess, that character played by, um, oh, the guy from Breaking Bad, uh, Carlos uh, Esposito or whatever. Oh, no, I forget, I'm blanking on his name. Great actor. Anyway. Yeah, Giancarlo. Exactly, Giancarlo yeah. So he ends up kind of being the main villain of the Mandalorian series, and um, okay. so Carson, Carson kind of references like you know what about uh, what happened on Mandalore and with uh, Moff Gideon, but that uh, opposing senator basically says, well, Moff Gideon was working alone on his own, and there's no proof of a larger conspiracy going on. Um, mm. so I did um didn't draw too much from that other than it is at least for the first time seemingly uh, in Ahsoka acknowledging like that this is kind of a shared world and a shared narrative between these you know different properties so you know we got basically Ahsoka the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett um, <laughs> all in the same time period oh, yeah. we got a guest star it looks like in the back <laughs> Yeah, I told him not to come in here. I told him not to interrupt. Uh, that's all right. <laughs> kids are kids, you know. Um, but yeah, we at least got, you know, we're kind of seeing this uh, bigger picture. And I believe the plan is that eventually um, 
I don't know exactly when, but I, I think the plan is eventually do, to do a movie that kind of you know ties in all the characters from these series. That'd be good to see. I, I kind of like that whole, uh, I guess, Marvel type approach, like putting it all together at yeah. some other phase. And uh, you know, I kind of do see some like similarities to Marvel in this show, like the way they they slowly tell the you know they build up the universe at first, and then at the end they. Uh, they kind of have the action and they reveal everything at like basically the last episode. <laughs> I mean, it does kind of feel like it's in line with Marvel. Yeah. I think they're definitely trying to capitalize off their success with, uh, Marvel and, and you're probably right. It seems like they're doing that thing where, you know, we build up one. it's like, um, instead of individual movies, it's like a, a season of a series, but yeah, I can, I can totally see that where they yeah. build it up and then eventually do like their, avenger style movie that's going to have all these characters in it which i i think will be fun i think i'm looking forward to it yeah um so back to the story um harris says the opposing senator uh is unwilling to see the threat posed by thrawn uh returning and he says that uh all he sees is a general abusing her authority uh so the senator recommends that hera be court-martialed uh right at that moment c-3po uh guest stars uh, he interrupts and he speaks on behalf of Leia. Uh, C-3PO wants to introduce a data transcript from Leia. And, of course, the opposing senator objects. He says the transcript shows that Leia ordered Hera's mission uh, to Setos. Uh, Mon, uh, t- Mon Mothma tells Senator Ziano that this evidence settles the matter. And so he just kind of has to accept that. Um mm-hmm. Now, I think you and I talked about this a little bit uh, on the last episode as well. Um, it, that, that Senator Ziano, he's almost certainly like some sort of like, you know, imperial sympathizer, right? Yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be either a sympathizer or paid off by the imperial forces or something. But, I mean, it's too obvious. He's just, I mean, he's I, I guess the potentially guys. they could swerve us and it just be like, oh, this is just one of those guys that's, you know, really by the book and he won't, you know, doesn't have any gray area. He's willing, you know, something like that. But I don't think, I think you will find out he's a bad guy. I, I do kind of have my suspicions. Like, I have suspicions about Mon Mothma. Maybe she's pretending to be a friend, but she's really like working. But I don't know her no, whole history. I don't think so, so because, like, yeah. She's been too ingrained in in Star Wars throughout time. Like, yeah, so she's solidly on the good guys team. Um, And and she also, Mm. she makes appearances. uh, You know, I actually, I think, I might be wrong about this, but I think a version of her was like in the original Star Wars movies. Uh, But she's also been in animated form in Rebels. And um, if you watch Andor, which is a great series, she's... She's uh, really takes kind of uh, uh, one of the lead roles in that series. So, um, okay, okay. So yeah, Mon Mothma basically walks up to Hera and she's like, "Hey, I know that was BS. Like, I know Leia's covering for you, but you know she's seemingly okay with that." Mm-hmm. Um, she asks Hera um, how real the threat of Thrawn returning is, and Hera says uh, they need to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Uh, so now we cut over to Ahsoka. Uh, so Ahsoka is practicing her lightsaber fighting uh, while listening to a recording of Anakin. Um, Ahsoka tells Hu Yang that Anakin made 20 recordings, and this was the last one he ever recorded. Um, again, I like I don't remember 
um, exactly what he said. Some, I think, just encouraging stuff that like she was a good student. Yeah, practice this stuff more than I do. You know, just good right. teacher stuff. <laughs> um, she doesn't tell Hu Yang that he was a good master. Uh, so then Hu Yang uh, says uh, that the space. I, I think I think she says that because remember in that last episode, Balin, like in the last episode, two episodes ago, I don't know which one, but Balin says that her master failed her. And I think she's kind of trying to convince herself that he didn't. Like he was a good master. Yeah, they definitely have a complicated relationship. And, you know, that that flashback episode two or that, that one where it's like she – went back to when she was a child in the clone wars, you know, and they had their conversation there, you know, I, I think she definitely like has some sort of respect for Anakin and, you know, she's just yeah. dismayed at what happened with him, which, you know, is understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Hu Yang uh, says that the space whales might be closing to their destination because it seems like their speed is decreasing. Uh, so Ahsoka and Hu Yang, they get in the spaceship and, and get ready. Ahsoka says that as soon as they drop out of hyperspace, they need to find Sabine. Uh, Hu Yang asks how she's going to accomplish that. And uh, she, uh, she says, easy. The enemies took her, so we'll find the enemies and they'll be there. And Hu Yang is like, you know, that sounds like a terrible idea. You know, they try for a, a little bit of humor there, a little bit of levity. Uh, but anyway, yeah. they do drop out of hyperspace and immediately realize that the Purgle are uh, in the middle of an Imperial minefield. Um, and boy, the, the, the empire, they spared no expense on this minefield. There was a lot of mines in this minefield, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how did they get those mines? How did they get them with them? Like they, they must've been packing them somewhere. Like inside that giant ship, there's just a whole bunker full of mines or something like <laughs> thousands of them. <laughs> question, because you figure they wouldn't have just been on that planet that they would have had to been like in the star destroyer that, uh, was taken there, you know? And so yeah. it is kind of like, boy, that thing held a lot of mines. Yeah, and luckily it didn't blow up with you know inside of it. <laughs> uh, those uh, those purgles are tanks, by the way. They didn't take any damn damage. No no HP lost. Yeah, I was gonna that. say so. Yeah, <laughs> they end up they um um they're flying and the yeah the purgle are just like blazing through these things, and like who yanks like. Uh, <laughs> It says, hey, the uh, at least the Purgle are providing us cover. And as soon as he says that, they, they basically are like, no, we've had enough of this, and they zip away. But like you were saying, they seemingly yeah. took no damage from these things. Like, I mean, <laughs> these mines are seemingly would be enough to blow up a spacecraft, but they're just like hitting these whales and like doing yeah. nothing. They're just like mildly irritated, I guess. They're like, okay, we'll get out of here. Yeah, they left because of the That's annoyance. What it seemed like. <laughs> that I'm was pretty like, much uh, it. You <laughs> should be adding a bunch more uh, bones to the, the graveyard, you would think. But uh, for but, sure, uh, yeah. Tough. Um, so Ahsoka and Hu Yang, they're navigating through the minefield. Uh, but then several fighters are dispatched uh, from the Eye of Scion to pursue them. Uh, so Ahsoka ends up flying into a debris field. Um, uh, basically, the debris field is all those like you know, bones from the, the dead Purgle. Yeah. Which again, I would think it would be too cold for them to, uh, uh, rot and go down to just bones. But I guess maybe like, maybe that debris field is like close enough to the planet that it like is warmed up. I don't know. It just, 
Well, it seems like they're still in space, though, so I don't know if it makes much sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they at least one of those fighters explodes trying to chase them into the debris field, but all the other ones, uh, you know, lose them. Uh, so Enoch tells Thrawn, uh, the uh, Jedi spaceship came through the breach, and he says it would seem that Ahsoka Tano is alive after all. And I believe you and I, yeah. he Automatically, automatically knows. Automatically knows Ahsoka. I mean, we know in the last <laughs> episode that he had like that line of dialogue like where he's like, uh, maybe she didn't die and you better get information on her. But I'm like, just the fact that he's like instantly, oh, it's definitely her. Yeah, I thought that was another thing where like, uh, for, for a guy that's supposed to be, you know, well, <laughs> I guess he's all knowing. He's so smart. But yeah, yeah, he shouldn't have known that immediately. Anyway, uh, Morgan gives Thrawn the info they have on her. And uh, he does note that he finds it interesting that Anakin was her master. Uh, and I think you mentioned this to me before. Like, there is some sort of line of dialogue where he's like, you know, she might be, uh, you know, more dangerous. Like, maybe we should, like, be careful or something. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he tells Enoch to have the fighters back off. Um, so Morgan tells Strawn he should continue to pursue her, uh, but he said it would be a waste of resources. He says it's better to put her on a path of her own, uh, choosing so that no matter what direction she takes, um, there'll always be one step ahead of her. <laughs> so this is what I kind of had issue with. If by this dialogue he meant they were going to do to her uh, what he did to Sabine in the last episode, where like, okay, let's let her think she escaped and we'll follow her to a di- from a distance and then attack her. I would be like, okay, but we're going to find out here in a, f- uh, a little bit that like he, as soon as she comes out of that debris field, he immediately just sends the fighters back on her and is like, no, take her out. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. He's like, find so, her again. <laughs> it's a contradiction to me of like, it didn't really make sense what he just said here because that's not what that's not exactly what he does you know mm-hmm. um so now we're back to the ship hu yang asks uh, ahsoka how the enemy was prepared for their arrival and ahsoka surmises that it was an, t- uh, an attack by thrawn so just how thrawn was immediately like oh it's ahsoka ahsoka's immediately like it's thrawn although she <laughs> has more reason to believe that because she knows thrawn was taken yeah. to this planet but also i guess um she could be like, well, it was so tactical to put all the minefields exactly, you know, in the way of the Purgle. Uh, that that does sound like a Thrawn move. So uh, I'm a little more forgiving of, of that assumption by her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she she probably knows that Thrawn has his forces or some some resources still yeah. left over, maybe. Um, so Hu Yang says he will run a scan to see if he can find Sabine. Um, so now we move down to the ground, a uh, scene with Ezra and Sabine. Uh, so they're traveling with the Noti creatures. Uh, I wrote on some sort of weird bug mobiles. They're like, you know, yeah. they, they do. They look like, you know, bug shaped. Those roly polies yeah, yeah. kind of. And I said, I think they do, uh, <laughs> eventually he just referred to them as, as pods. But, um, mm-hmm. and, but yeah, just like, um, you know, the, uh, the speeder bikes, they, they hover off the ground, which is cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish we had that technology <laughs> to just, I mean, awesome. I think people get in wrecks all the time. I don't know how you would prevent that, but just to be able to like, 
you know, no friction from the ground and you're just like moving, man. Yeah, no wear and tear on your tires yeah, and stuff. You don't, you don't have, have to, to, worry, about you don't have to worry about like poor road conditions, ice and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do wonder though, like if there's a pothole, does it dip down towards the pothole or does it like stay above That's it? <laughs> you know what? I've thought about that before too. And, and my theory is it would dip down because like, well, I don't know uh. for sure, but like you figure it's got this gravity uh, propulsion thing where it's, it's like keeping it like, a set distance off the ground. So you figure if the ground right. dips, like you are going to feel that. So. Yeah. So you could run into like, you can still hit something. <laughs> yeah, like, it would be interesting to see. I want to see that now. I want to see him hit a pothole, like a uh, going fast, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Sabine gets Ezra up to speed to a certain point. Um, she tells him about the end of the empire and also the rise of the new Republic. Uh, he also tells her that Zeb, who is like a, uh, you know, this uh, friend from the Rebels cartoon, like this big, like ape-like creature guy, he apparently has a job training new new recruits. Now, I think he did make like a in live action a small cameo in uh, one of the more recent episodes of The Mandalorian, but he didn't really he didn't really do anything. Okay. He was just like at a bar or something. I think that was him. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and she also tells him that Hera is now the general commanding uh, the fleet. Um, so Sabine also tells him about how Ahsoka took her on as an apprentice. But I wrote, she keeps being unnecessarily cagey about how she got there and what happened to Ahsoka. And this is something I just have a problem with. It's like, it is. That's frustrating. Like, there's no real good reason why she would, wouldn't have told him this. Um, it, it makes yeah. no sense to me. Like the only thing is you could say like, you know, maybe she wants to keep his hopes up. Maybe she wants to spare his feelings. But to me, that doesn't make sense. Like they've known each other for a long time, you know, back in the rebels days and like they're friends. I, I would think, and also just strategy wise, like if they want a chance of getting off this planet, like tell him what happened. Tell him that, as far as she knows, the only means of them getting off the planet will be Thrawn's spaceship or, you know, or the hyper, you know, so they can at least, you know, put together some sort of plan to maybe get off the planet, you know? Yeah, so, yeah exactly. To me, I, 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 that's one aspect of this episode I, I, I really did not like. I thought it was stupid um, that she would not have told him. Yeah, I kind of just generally, I hate when characters withhold information like that. Uh I'm not one of those people. I always share information. I think the more minds, the better on it, you know? And uh, if you're all working together towards a common goal, you should probably have everybody in on the information. So it just doesn't make sense. Especially like if it's a life or death scenario or like a, oh, we're going to be stranded on this uh, planet for the rest of our lives type of scenario. Something that dire. Yeah. I'm not going to leave them in the dark on, on information like that, you know? Right. Um, so now we get a scene where Balin, Shin, and some nomads uh, are following uh, this convoy of uh, Sabine and Ezra's, like, from a distance. Um, looks like they must have hired those nomads they met in the, the last episode. Um, now we go to Thrawn. Uh, Thrawn asks the Great Mothers, the Three Witches, to find where Ahsoka is hiding within the whale graveyard. So they dig out once more their, like, three orb things that make the lasers and 
try to pinpoint her location. Yeah. Uh, so now we go uh, back to Ahsoka and Hu Yang. Uh, so Hu Yang, he can't find Sabine on his scans. So Ahsoka decides to use the Force to find her. Um, so uh, Ahsoka uses the Force to call out Sabine. And Sabine, like, seemingly hears her. And Ezra's like, what is it, you know? And uh, I don't know, like, at that point, if she for sure knows that Ahsoka is alive or if she just has that feeling, you know? I don't know if it's totally clear. Yeah. yeah I feel like she just kind of – she because she says she has, like, a familiar feeling. So I think she's just kind of, like, not sure right there. Um, so the Great Mothers do track down Ahsoka's location and – you actually mentioned to me on the, the episode we lost, and I thought this was interesting. I don't know if they explicitly say it or if it's even the case, but like uh, maybe Ahsoka reaching out to Sabine with the Force almost acted like sort of a, a thing that would have put her on the Great Mother's radar and made it easier for them to pinpoint yeah. her location. Um, I kind of like that theory, actually. Yeah, I think it feels like because they were doing yeah. it around the same time, you know, so it seems like they were trying to pinpoint her location. She almost acted like a beacon. And I really do. Um, you know, I've never I've always said, like, I'm not a, really a fan of like the whole like witchcraft exists in this world. But the way you described it uh, as, as like, you know, it's just uh, um, another application of the force almost like they're tapping into the force in kind of a yeah. different way, maybe a, um, a darker way. And, you know, the interpretation of that is is witchcraft, but really it's just like a, a different manifestation of the force, people who can use the force in a different way. I, I kind of like that idea, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they, they get her location. So Thrawn tells Enoch to open fire on them. So he basically, um, I think these come from the eye of Scion, like they fought, start firing large, um, you know, lasers i guess towards ahsoka's location (laughs) and she's able to dip and dive and we get an action scene where she's you know flying through the debris and kind of narrowly missing these explosions but it does force her to have to exit the debris field and go down to the planet and so as soon as she does thrawn tells enoch to have the uh the fighters re-engage her and so this is what i was talking about earlier where it's like what was he talking about? Like, oh, let her follow her own way and we'll be a step ahead of her. It's like, then he just like actively snuffed her out using his resources. And then it's like, okay, <laughs> let's use our resources right again and go right on her and try to kill her. So, you know what I mean? It doesn't seem like it lined up with what he was saying earlier. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. Unless like he was trying to get his forces to avoid the asteroid field, but... They still had to go through them anyway, eventually, well, right, I to get to her. I think one died, and then the others backed off, um, or he had mm-hmm. them back off. So, yeah, maybe that's more what he was referencing, just he didn't want to, like, waste those fighter resources because they would have most likely all died in the debris field. I'm not sure. Very confusing. Yeah. Um, so the convoy, the no convoy stops uh, when they see Balin and Shin in the distance. And they start to turn around and, and go away from him. Um, so we get a scene with Balin. Balin tells Shin to contact Thrawn, kill Ezra and Sabine, and then take her place in the coming Empire. And she's basically like, wait, what? You're not coming along? Like, you're not going to help, you know? Yeah. And um, 
I found this interesting. So Balin says, um, her ambition drives her in one direction, but his path lies in another. Uh, and uh, Balin says he'll give her like one last pearl of wisdom, which is the impatience for victory will guarantee defeat. And so he's kind of putting it out there that he's like, you know, he's playing the long game. But, you know, and I think you and I have talked about this, that his motivation is the thing that's kind of most interesting to us. Um, because seemingly, like, earlier on in the series, it seemed like, you know, he was telling her, like, oh, yeah, we're going to have more power than we could have ever dreamed of. But now that he gets to this point, yeah. he's like, no, I can see that you want something different than what I want. And so we're, we're going to have to, uh, you know, fork in the road here and go in different directions. And so I, I find that interesting. Just like, did he know all along that he was going to do this? I'm assuming he did. But then why did he talk it up to her as much as he did originally? Yeah. I mean, he, he's supposed to be really good at reading people. So I would think he had read her a while back and figured out what she wants. So it yeah, it kind of doesn't make sense that now all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I think your priorities are in a different place. Like it, it doesn't make sense. He's been her teacher this whole time, you know, like it, yeah, that seems kind of interesting. And also another thing you brought up to me before is, um, you know, in past episodes, like Shin was very kind of adversarial and skeptical of Morgan and the, the witches and stuff. And seemingly like yeah. Balin was, you know, more willing to go along with them. And so you, you would think if anybody was more open to, you know, not necessarily going along with the plan, it would be Shin more so than Balin. Uh, right. but then, you know, also yeah. we've had scenes of Shin, you know, you know, saying that she's ready to, you know, for more power and stuff like that too. And so it's it's just um, it's interesting because yeah I think Balin has had lines of dialogue in this series that make him sound both um, you know greedy for power and destruction but then also still holds somewhat of a respect for Ahsoka and the Jedi and you're like what is his yeah. motivation exactly and then there was I mean there's there's. There's some line where he says he wants to like go back to the beginning, and that kind of makes me think like he wants to fix something. So yeah, yeah I don't know. Like line it. where he's like, "I want to stop this cycle of destruction," you know, where it's war all the time, and one side wins, and then the other side wins, and I want to put an end to all of it. And so yeah, I don't know exactly what his plan is, and that's definitely what interests me the most uh, going into the uh, season finale. Mm -hmm. um, so Thrawn tells Enoch to send two gunships to assi assist um, Balin and Shin with taking down Sabine and Ezra. Um, so now the nomads, uh, this is where the action really ramps up. The nomads are chasing uh, the convoy. Sabine turns around and starts shooting at them. Um, and she takes out some of them. Uh, eventually, one of the Notis pods is destroyed. Uh, so Ezra goes back for him. Uh, Ezra's like a good guy, and he's like, oh, I can't leave this Noti to die. So they basically have all their pods mm -hmm. surround that broken pod to protect him, and, and basically they're like, okay, we're going to fight now. You know, a lot of people don't like Ezra. I get that he was introduced in a weird way, and like I know his his interactions with, uh, with Ren are kind of weird because like, he should be pressing her for more information, I feel like. 
but I, I do like the way he's portrayed. He's like a he's he's like a puppy dog kind of guy, you know, like a heart of gold yeah, sort of thing. Con- and that's consistent, so really, with how it. he was uh, portrayed on Rebels. Although, you know, I think early on in Rebels, like he was kind of this, like more of like an annoying kid. But I think that was purposeful so that over the course of the show, he could like, you know, grow as a character. So I was okay with that. But yeah, he really does become, like you said, this kind of puppy dog character that's, you know, tries to tries to do good all the time. Yeah. Um, So Ezra tells the Noti to hide inside their pods while he handles things. Um, So as Ahsoka's, you know, flying overhead, she sees this, you know, convoy circle and, uh, you know, Ezra, Sabine and everything. Um, and okay, so Ahsoka gets this idea that she's going to have Hu Yang fly the ship, um, low enough to the ground where she can jump out onto the ground. And, and you and I have talked, talked about this, uh, uh, before where I'm like, I know like she's powerful with the force, but to jump out of a moving jet and just be like, tuck and roll. And like, I'm fine. Um, uh, that seems like a tough, uh, a, a tough thing to do. But uh, I mean, I guess when you're strong with the force, you can do it. Yeah, I mean, I got to give that to the force. I, I, she must have really put in, like, used it there a lot. <laughs> she must have really like focused on not murdering herself, jumping out of a fighter jet at like, God knows how many miles per hour. <laughs> if she would have used the force to basically like. Um, slow her descent, like maybe like, uh, you know, Superman or Iron Man would, you know, then I would be like, okay, but she really does come out of there and just like tucks and rolls and like all fast. Like, I'm like, <laughs> mm, I don't know. I think she might be dead, but apparently not. <laughs> Some limb should be falling off of there. <laughs> just, like lost one of her like head tentacles or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so she she does she tucks and rolls, uh, but as she runs towards the battlefield, she like instantly runs into Balin. Um, she's like, "Are you disappointed to see me?" And, and he says, "No, I'm not disappointed, uh, but I can't allow you to interfere." And so they begin to fight with their lightsabers. Uh, so now now back to Sabine and Ezra. So Sabine tries to get Ezra to take back his lightsaber, uh, but he refuses. He says, "Keep it, and that the Force is all he needs." Uh, so Ezra and Sabine, they start fighting the nomads. And uh, as far as the nomads go, Ezra's pretty much right. He's just like like using martial arts and he's like, you know, force pushing these guys yeah. into the pods and stuff. And he's, he's dominating them. Uh, uh, Sabine's also like doing her thing, shooting at him and, and killing them. Um, so they do, they, they fight off the nomads. Uh, but eventually Shin shows up and she starts fighting Ezra. And I think there's a shot where, like, you know, she's got his her lightsaber coming at him, and he's only got the force to kind of like push it away, you know. Uh, but then yeah. Sabine shows up to help him, so it's briefly looks like it's going to be a two-on-one situation. Uh, but then they see those two gunships full of stormtroopers landing, so they know it's going to be a bigger fight. Uh, back to Balin and Ahsoka, they fight to a standstill. Uh, Balin says she cannot defeat him, and she says perhaps not, but she doesn't have to. And right on cue, as she says that, Hu Yang does a flyover, and basically, um, mm. it's a miracle that uh, Balin, like, he, he gets right out of the way. He's, like, narrowly avoids, like, getting shot. I'm like, man, he's <laughs> strong with the Force, too, because 
I mean, seemingly right? it should have been Dunzo for them here for him. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a good thing they can't lock on to targets with these ships. Like, is that not a, is that not allowed? <laughs> you can't lock onto well, a target. I mean, it's a good question because we do see like in in like other Star Wars things like when they're actually dogfighting in space with each other, they can lock on to other spaceships and stuff. So you would think maybe they would have yeah. the technology to, you know, be able to lock on to something on the ground. But, uh, and also Hu Yang's a droid. So you think his shooting skills would be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that allows Ahsoka to get away. Um, okay. Yeah. You and I also talked about this, uh, so Thrawn, he's got like this holographic map that kind of shows him where are where where all the stormtroopers are, and kind of like just in like color like hexagons or whatever, so he can like see them surrounding the battlefield. Which a part of me is like, okay, I can kind of buy that they might have some sort of like receivers in the uniforms of the stormtroopers so he can see that but then he notices uh that balin is not on the battlefield and i'm like does he have balin lojack as well like how does he know um (laughs) like like even if he does for some reason like how does he can see that oh this this dot on my map that's further away that's balin for sure yeah yeah, no, I don't know either. This is like a very <laughs> convenient thing that I'm like, it doesn't make sense that he would be able to tell this, you know? Yeah. Um, where was it? Okay. So Ezra and Sabine, they get surrounded by stormtroopers. And for a second, it looks like uh, they're just going to get blown to bits. Uh, but lucky, luckily, Ahsoka shows up just at the nick of time. And this creates enough uh, of a distraction and breathing room so that Ezra and Sabine can get some distance so that they can fight the stormtroopers. And so, yeah, we get an action scene where uh, Ezra and Sabine, man, they're just going to town slaughtering stormtroopers. Um, I think Ezra at one point, like, steals, like, a gun from one of them and, like, shoots them. Sabine's shooting them. I think she yeah. even uses at one point, like, she's got those, like, wrist, like, uh, launchers or whatever that launch explosives. I, th- I think she okay. used those two. Anyway, they just kill uh, a bunch of stormtroopers, wreak havoc on them. Um, okay, and so once they get the upper hand on the stormtroopers, Thrawn basically calls off the, the remaining stormtroopers and the fighters that are uh, following Hu Yang. And uh, this, I thought, was so stupid of him. Because, like, we're supposed to believe he's so smart. But I truly believe that if he would have just had the fighters like if he would like say okay stormtroopers get out of the way okay you fighters forget who yang and just like do a run and and just shoot everything you got at where sabine and ezra and ahsoka yeah. are like yeah they have the force but i think they would have been able to kill them all if they would have just done that yeah yeah i, I don't dawn is very uh He's making bad moves right now. <laughs> he talks a strate- uh, strategic game, but then when he actually gives orders, they don't—they're not very strategic, seemingly. The most—the most strategic thing Thrawn ever did was hire a hype man, because so far he's been hyped up so much in this show, but we haven't really seen his brilliance up to this point. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm hoping that um, you know, in further seasons and things, they can maybe have him do things that are, are a little more clever and will actually make us go, "Oh, Thrawn, good thinking." Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so Thrawn tells Morgan that these are acceptable losses given the absence of Balin. Again, kind of a weird line to throw in. Like, it, does he think that if Balin was there, like they would have absolutely won? I don't. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I, he really counts on Balin a lot, apparently. <laughs> Even though at the beginning he was like, he's an acceptable right, right. loss too. Yeah, yeah, there was. Uh, I don't know if it was this episode or the last episode, but yeah, um, he does basically say that. Yeah. You know, hopefully Shin and Balin get the job done, but if not, they're they're expendable. They're just they're just mercenaries. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Morgan questions Thrawn, uh, but he says while they were distracted, uh, the cargo transfer is almost complete, and that Ahsoka lost the most precious thing, which is time. And uh, again, I don't think they've ever told what the cargo they're transporting over is. So hopefully, we'll find that out next episode. Yeah. Because didn't Morgan mention something about, like, taking stuff out of some catacombs or something? I, I want to say that. in the last mm-hmm. episode she mentioned some, something about catacombs, and I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. Okay. Um, so as the remaining stormtroopers retreat, Ahsoka tells Shin to drop her weapon and that she can help her. Uh, Shin immediately runs away. And it looks like Sabine is like going to go to like pull an Indiana Jones and just like shoot her, <laughs> but uh, Ahsoka, Ahsoka <laughs> is like lets her escape. So this makes me think that there's some other plan for Shin later on. Like she, I think she becomes a good guy. I don't know that for sure, but I think she's she's on the fence right now. Maybe like she's been shown some mercy by these guys. I think if she gets betrayed or something by Thrawn then she's going to go ahead and become a good guy. It does make we'll me see. wonder because, I mean, they definitely have more plans for her, it seems. But, you know, it it definitely looks like they're setting up a confrontation between Thrawn and Balin. And I do think that if Thrawn mm-hmm. were to kill or screw over Balin in some way, that Shin would maybe at least, you know, try to carry out Balin's wishes or, you know, maybe at least become an uneasy ally of Ahsoka to help her take down Thrawn. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think you're right. I think they got some some bigger plans for Shin. I don't know if she'll become a straight-up uh, good guy or, like I said, like an uneasy ally. But I think they are right. setting up some, some bad blood to where I don't think Shin will be on the side of Morgan and Thrawn. So right. that is interesting. And I think I said, uh, we were talking about this uh, yesterday as well. I do, you know, traditionally with Star Wars, it's been like, you know, the good guys that are force sensitive are the Jedi. The bad guys that are force sensitive are the Sith. I do like with Balin and Shin that they're force sensitive, but there's a gray area. You know, there's somewhere in between. It it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can have these people that are force sensitive, but, you know, aren't the, you know, the Ezra's of the world that are just like the Superman. I'm going to always do the right thing kind of thing, you know, or, you know, Palpatine mm-hmm. that's just like, you know, evil for evil sake, you know, uh, or the manifestation of evil seemingly. So I, I do like shades of gray uh, in the force users. Yeah, for sure. Those are the best villains. I think like compared to Thrawn, Balin so far is the most interesting, like, anti-hero i guess what he, i don't know like bad guy-ish person yeah, we don't really know what he is uh, and i'm hoping i'm hoping next yeah. episode because uh, yeah he doesn't see he does it's true he, he definitely isn't uh, a complete good guy we know that from previous episodes 
but he also keeps throwing out right. these lines that make you think, well, maybe he has some good intentions, you know. But then again, mm-hmm. like like they always say, the best villains think that they're right. Yeah. Um, so now as we wrap up, um, Ahsoka uh, hugs Ezra and they greet each other. And um, Ezra, uh, we end with Ezra saying he has a feeling he might be going home after all. Um, so AJ, do you think he'll be going home after all? <laughs> Not this season. <laughs> yeah, um, I, that's how I feel too. Because we know for the story to progress, Thrawn has to get away. He has to get off planet. Yeah. Uh, but I, th- I think you know they're gonna want to, they're gonna want to give us you know some sort of uh, cliffhanger, and I think it's gonna be uh, that the good guys are seemingly stuck on this planet. And so then when we start the next yeah. season, it'll be like, okay, do they use the space whales again? Do they find that space between worlds or something? Um, do they just get lucky and somebody shows up in a, a spaceship? You know, <laughs> I think... Uh, Howdy. <laughs> um, but uh, I think also next episode, we're bound to get some sort of confrontation between Thrawn and Balin, uh, which will be interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. if somebody, if a character dies next episode, who do you think it would be? I think it's gotta be Balin. I mean, he would be my primary guess. Like if they actually were to kill off a character, he seems the most likely, um, you know, either him or Shin, but I think he would be more likely than Shin personally. Um, yeah, I think Shin's got a character. I do too. I, I think they're really setting her up for something. And I think if Balin does die, that would really give her motivation. Yeah. But, you know, it does seem like within the course of the next episode, they really do have to set up what Balin's plan is, you know, and then we'll see, like, you know, if Thrawn prevents that or something. But um, I really don't even have a good guess of what his plan is. Yeah, I have no clue what he's looking for or anything like that. I mean, who knows? But I mean, I'm still, I'm all in on it. Like, it's the most interesting storyline so far. I, the intrigue is what captures me, I think. And also, like, Balin was trying to pre- prevent um, Ahsoka from rescuing Ezra and Sabine. So seemingly he, you know, his goal was to have them die, it seems like. So, like, or it could have just been to save Shin. Like he might have known that, like, oh well, now if she enters the fight, Shin's oh, done for. So maybe you know that's a good point. Yeah, yeah that is a good point. I, although I just took um, like that scene where like he let Shin go off by herself. It seemed like he kind of like didn't believe that you know she was was on the same path as him. Like, like almost like, oh, I see you're not gonna be like the person that puts my plan into motion. So like, uh, go find your own way kind of type thing. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's, uh, maybe we'll watch the next episode and be like, well, that didn't make sense at all. (laughs) (laughs) We were way off. I am generally interested (laughs) to see, uh, the next episode and see how this, uh, wraps up. It does seem, this always seems to happen with the Marvel shows too, where it gets down to the last episode and we're like, man, can they like, you know, squeeze everything in and make a satisfying conclusion, which unfortunately with the last uh, several Marvel shows we watched, I would say they 
they didn't really. Um, yeah. But I think this show has been of a more consistent quality than those Marvel shows, especially those last few that we watched. Um, so I am hopeful that this thing will uh, end on a satisfying uh, note. Yeah, and plus a lot of those shows are like one season long. So it's like they really need to like resolve everything. And this, I I think it's going to be more than one season. I don't know I mean, for I sure. I would assume, yeah, they haven't announced, like but seeing as how they, 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 they're tying in Ahsoka, Boba Fett, and the Mandalorian all together, like I would think they would want to give them, you know, some more seasons, especially if they're, they're eventually building towards that Avengers style movie that's going to have the crossover with them all in it. I would almost mm-hmm. certainly think that the idea is to have more Ahsoka going forward. So I would be surprised if they're not doing multiple seasons, but Hey, you never know. Maybe this will just be an Ahsoka yeah. miniseries, And then the next one will be like called something else, but maybe have some of the same characters go over. I don't know, but no, I, I would assume they're going to do another mm-hmm. season. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I would think so. Too. Um, AJ, any final thoughts or predictions you want to throw out there before we uh, wrap this bad boy up? I'm just, I'm all on Balin, man. I'm, he's my number one character so far. I want to see what he does. Yeah, same, man. Like, uh, it's a shame that uh, Ray Stevenson passed away. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, if his character survives or not. Because I'm assuming if he does survive, they got enough plans for that character that they probably would have to to recast. But uh, I guess we'll have to see how things play yeah. out. Um. Well, all right, AJ. Hopefully this episode won't be lost to time. Hopefully everything will uh, go to plan. <laughs> um, I do want to uh, thank everybody out there for uh, uh, following along. Uh, if you will, please subscribe both to the YouTube channel. Please subscribe to us uh, in audio form uh, on your podcast catcher of choice. Uh, leave us thumbs up, uh, positive reviews. Uh if you are hearing this uh, and you do have any concerns of uh, the video or audio quality, let me know. I'll see if there's anything I can do uh, to sweeten it up a little bit. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and also uh, if you want, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at Zach Jones live. That's Z A C H J O N E S L I V E. And that's going to do it for all of our shenanigans and poppycock this week. Please, please, please tune in again next week. Bye guys. Take care.